morning, church family. It's great to see everybody in the house of God on this rainy Sunday morning. I'm telling you, we have had the April showers lately. All the ponds, the streams, the lakes should be full. And I'm looking forward to uh, all those Mayflowers that come with uh, all those April rains. Good to see you in the house of God today. If you are visiting for the very first time, you are not here by accident. God brought you here. God ordained that you would be here. We are in our third Sunday of a series, When Life is Hard, God is Good. We're looking at trials uh, in life, and really, uh, from a biblical perspective, how do we respond when we face adversity, when we face trials, when we face difficult moments, and they come for all of us? Uh, they don't discriminate. They don't. Uh, they don't pick on you because you're rich or you're poor or you're uh, a certain color or nationality, uh, age. If you have uh, difficulties or disabilities, uh, it doesn't pick on you because of that. And, and God's not picking on you. He is using this as an opportunity to perfect us and to mold us into His image and to use us for His glory and. We're looking forward to what God has in store for us today in his word. I invite you to turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we were there last Sunday. We'll talk about that in just a second. I want to encourage all of the parents of teenagers, if you have a child who is currently in 6th grade all the way through 12th grade, uh, make plans for them to be here tonight at 5 p.m. Our Rise Night, and uh, I think two other local churches are joining in. Uh, just an awesome time of worship, uh, of just uh, studying the Word of God together, being challenged in their faith, something that each one of them need, uh, each one of us need as well, and about, uh, just a great way to encourage them. So they have a, a huge night plan, all kinds of activities, uh, food, everything's free. Uh, you can register through our church app or just show up, uh, but they are looking forward to a great time and uh, thankful for Jackson investing in our students and their, their walk with Christ. Uh, shout out to Taylor and who uh, led our kids ministry yesterday as they went to uh, Durham and minister with Baptist on Mission. And it was a, a one-day kind of kids mission trip opportunity. Uh, locally in the Triangle had an opportunity to give back and to serve. Uh, she's under the weather this morning, so be praying for Taylor. But uh, thankful for the opportunity for those kids to, to serve in our community. Uh, also, uh, Steve Gerslin and Chad uh, Joyce uh, got certified uh, this weekend with Baptist on Mission to help lead uh, disaster relief teams uh, out from our church to serve uh, in our state and, and really all around the country as needs arise. And so be keeping your, uh, your ears tuned uh, for opportunities to go and serve on, uh, with Baptist on Mission. Looking forward to what God has in store for us. Following response came from a man who was asked for additional information from his insurance company. In blank number three of the accident form, I put trying to do the job alone as cause for my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more fully, and I trust that the following details will be sufficient. So buckle up. I'm a bricklayer by trade. On the date of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I found that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carry the bricks down hand by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which fortunately was attached to the side of the building of the sixth floor. Sounds logical for every man in the room. Uh, this is what you would do. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, I swung the barrel out, loaded the bricks into it, I went back, to the, back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of brick. 
You'll note in blank number 11 of the accident report that I weigh 135 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate of, up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains the fractured skull and coll broken collarbone. Slowly, uh, slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the finger, my fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel then weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to my weight in blank number 11. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming back up. And this accounts for the two fractured ankles and the lacerations on my legs and lower body area. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of broken bricks. And fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, he, uh, he says, I lost, again, lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. The empty barrel <clears throat> weighed more than the rope, so it began coming back down on me and broke both my legs. I hope I have furnished the information that you have requested. Does that not describe sometimes where we find ourselves, like if anything could possibly go wrong, it happens to us. Anybody else like that, feel like that at times? I mean, we, we find ourselves in situations that you're like, how could it possibly go any worse? And I've talked to many of you this week because I have probably received more text and Facebook messages in the last two weeks due to the, the series and the, the subject matter that we're talking about, as people are describing the, the life that they are currently facing and the hardships, the trials that they are currently facing. And, and even on Wednesday night, after uh, some of you were coming out of life group, and I, I talked to one lady, she said, you know, the entire week has been completely out of control. And as she began to detail person after person in their family and, and trips and back and forth to the hospital, to the emergency room, to this and that. And, and I, I was sitting there going, good heavens, I mean, this, the subject matter couldn't be more on point of where, what people are facing. So reflected on what God was showing me this week in his word, I really feel like we can't leave James chapter 1 just to move to another passage when there's so much there that God wants us to understand and and to study, and we're going to camp out in the same passage from last Sunday, but we're going to approach it from a different perspective this morning. When we're finished, I want to you know, make sure we have a practical uh, game plan to deal head-on with hardships. Where do we go from here? Last week, in our application, I gave a homework assignment, uh, and I put three questions on the screen. We're going to put them up there for you again this morning. What happened to me? Asking you to articulate on paper, write out, what is it that happened to me? And you may have to go back in the chronicles of your life or the, the chapters of your life, uh, maybe to your childhood, and it might be painful to go to. It might be in a, a former marriage. It might be in a, a, in a school setting. It might be 
a, a, a great trial or a financial burden or a health uh, condition, but what happened to me and writing it out, taking time to admit and, and, and talk about where you've been, and then write out, secondly, why am I here on earth? What is it that God is wanting me to, to be here for? What's my purpose? And, and why do I exist in 2023? And then thirdly, how can this trial advance that purpose? Hopefully these questions have allowed us the opportunity this week to self-reflect and see what it is that God wants to use the trials in our lives to advance his kingdom and to understand his purpose, his ways are never wasted. Folks, if we'll allow him, he will use the ways are always higher. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and, and he loves us unconditionally and uh, further than the, the deepest uh, depths of the sea. He loves us and, he, and desires to, to work his perfect plan in our lives. So I invite you to once again look at James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 2 through 5 this morning in greater detail. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be what church? And what church? Lacking in what? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask God. Who gives how, church? To all without reproach, and it will be what, church? Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to slow down and be still this morning. I believe there's some healing that needs to take place in this room. With those that are tuning in online, I, I pray that people would slow down long enough to acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the trial, acknowledge the, the suffering, and understand why we exist and why we're here. And God, what is it that you're trying to work out in our lives? God, help us to get out of our own way, because sometimes we can be our greatest enemy, our, our greatest Struggle can be getting over ourselves and getting past ourselves. And God, would you f allow us this morning to focus our attention on, on this passage of Scripture and, and Lord, discover what it is that you want us to learn and how, God, you want to challenge us and, most importantly, how you want to change us. God, help us this morning to empty ourselves of our, our pride, our ego, our, our, our desire to to always be in control and to, the desire to be uh, uh, just help us to empty ourselves of self. God, and help us to focus on the steadfastness, the spiritual maturity you want to perform in our lives. And God, learn the lessons, gain the wisdom and the knowledge. God, would you do a mighty work in our hearts and lives this morning. We give you all the glory. All the praise in Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people says, Amen. Amen. 
Over the last couple of weeks, we've been discovering a couple of things. Trials are designed to teach us so that our conduct and our character changes. And this statement captures our focus for today. God works His good through our trials when we pray and when we stay. We talked about this last Sunday. So often when we have a trial, when we have a, a, a struggle in our life, we want to run as far away from God. We want to get as far away from the, the heat, so to speak. And, and just imagine if, if Daniel had ran, uh, if he had ran from that experience at the lion's den, he would have missed the power of God in his life and how God's always there. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He hasn't abandoned us in our hour of, of struggle and trial. And, and Daniel was there and saw God close the mouths of lions. Uh, three Hebrew children were in the fiery furnace and God was right there with them. In fact, they said there's not three in the fire. There's actually four. And it has the likeness of the Son of God. Folks, what happens is when we're going through the trials, when we're in the deep waters in the midst of the fire, God God is there. He's right there, oftentimes carrying us every single step of the way. And folks, if you have a testimony, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, you can look back and see time and time again the power of God and how he delivered us, how he rescued us, how he planted us back on solid ground and established our going and reaffirmed our purpose and our calling. And, and folks, he uses us for his glory. So he's teaching us. He wants us to focus and pray and stay put while God is working out his plan in our lives. I want to look at a very simple outline this morning that focuses on the what the why and the how. What is the what here? He says, count it, James says, count it all, what church? Joy. Count it all joy. In verse 2 we see, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. In other words, sooner or later, we will all face trials of varying kinds. The word meet has the idea of falling or stumbling over a problem. John Phillips writes this. He offers this paraphrase. He says, when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. I'll be honest. How many of us look at trials as a blessing? How many of us look at trials and say, wow, I am so thankful and I've heard, I heard Dr. David Jeremiah years ago talk about his experience with cancer. And he says, I'm thankful for cancer because it changed my life for the better. He said, God used that to, to strengthen my walk with God and my relationship. No matter, Folks, that's not exa exactly what we would be expecting. So as John Phillips said, he says, when our trials and temptations crowd into our lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. The thought of counting it joy when trouble comes is not a natural response. But folks, that is the whole point. That is the whole point. I think it was Tuesday morning this week. My wife had come into my office and we were talking, she'd set her phone down, and she, she left, 
and was talking to meeting with someone else and her phone was just ringing and I go over there and I'm like who I don't recognize this number it didn't it wasn't programmed in her phone and next thing I know my phone is ringing it's the same number well when you've got four kids I mean you know uh, the, the odds are not in our family well, you know the school's calling you know where somebody's in trouble someone's hurt someone's sick someone's whatever and School's on a code red lockdown. I ran in and grabbed my wife. I was like, you need to come in here. I don't know what's happening, but next thing I know, my, my neighbor on my cul-de-sac, two doors over, calls, and her husband is a local police officer, and she said, David, it's, it's bad. She said, there's possibly three guns, three different students with guns, her son's a senior, my son's a junior. She said, my husband's getting ready to go into the building. And she's hysterical. I wasn't counting at joy at 10 a.m. I'll be honest, for a few seconds, the immediate thoughts going through my mind was, this doesn't usually play out well. In fact, just a few weeks ago, sitting at the dinner table at our house, where we eat dinner every single night as a family, and can I just say, I didn't realize that everybody else doesn't do that. I mean, when kids' friends come over to our house, we're all sitting around the dinner table every single night, all talking about our day and what happened at school today. Who did you eat with? Who did you talk with? We're wanting to know why, because I want to know what's involved in their, what's going on in their world. I want them to, us to, so as we pray over our food, we're, we're not watching, I'm not, if you watch TV or watch a movie or let everybody go to their rooms to eat their dinner, whatever, but I'm telling you, you're missing out on opportunities to have conversations, because just a, two or three weeks ago, we had a conversation at our dinner table about what happens when this comes to our county, when it comes to Wake County, it hits our schools, and then all of a sudden, we're getting that phone call that every parent dreads. And I'll be honest, for just a moment, I was like, dear God, what is happening to our world? What is happening to our kids? And, and we just, I began to just pray, God, you know exactly what's going on inside that building. God, would you protect would you watch over? God, would you take control of the situation? And I'll be honest, I immediately felt a sense of calm, a sense of peace, a sense of God, he's got this. He's in control. He's sovereign. And, and they tell you as a parent, don't come to the school. <laughs> That's like saying to a child, don't dig your hand in the candy, candy jar or the cookie jar. I mean, uh, you turn your head, every parent is on their way to the school as, as we were. And we get there and you, there are literally police cars and cops with giant guns walking the perimeter of the entire school and you can get nowhere near it. And it was like a scene from a very bad movie. It was something you see on the news, and you're like, dear Lord, what's going on? God gave peace. In the midst of that, counted in all joy is a conscious choice we make when hard times come. 
No doubt our main problem comes from we misunderstand the word joy. Here's the definition. It says joy is deep satisfaction that comes from knowing that God is in control even when my circumstances seem out of control. Why? Because God is sovereign. And I'll tell you, on Tuesday, I experienced that joy, that peace, that comfort, the, the joy of knowing that God knows exactly where I'm at. He knows where my kids are. He knows what the struggles are. And, and we can count it all joy. But not, he, not only the what, he says the why. He says, concentrate on the benefits. Concentrate on the benefits of that relationship with God and knowing that we can run to him. We can find strength. We can find help in our moment of despair, our moment of trial. Verse 3 says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. These two verses tell us that while we need to count it all joy, it's because the two results are steadfastness and spiritual maturity. God is saying, he says, if you will hold on, if you'll stay put, if you'll allow me to work out my plan in your life, there's two results. Steadfastness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this for your good and, good and my, or ultimately for my glory. But I'm going to use it to produce spiritual maturity in your life. It helps us to see there's a purpose behind our problems. And ultimately, we're going to have to make a choice either to, con to uh, concentrate on the benefits of God and, and lean into that relationship with Him, or I can become bitter at the circumstances in my life and bitter at the God who's on con in control of every situation. God works His, works his good through our trials when we pray and when we stay. Instead of running from our trials we lean into that relationship and we rely heavily on the Holy Spirit's power and strength when we cannot do it alone. That's what we're supposed to do every single day. Church, that's what we're supposed to do every day of our lives is not rely on our own strength and power, but say, God, I cannot do this apart from you. This is too much for me to bear alone. But it's not me by myself, church. I have the power of the Holy Spirit living within me that's giving me the strength, the, the, the ability to say yes to whatever Jesus is trying to show me. When trials come, there's something we can't know. But there's some things that we can know. There's certain things that we can experience in the midst of a trial. We can't always know why things happen the way that they do. Think about this. We can't always know why things happen the way they do. And you know what? Sometimes I think God is protecting us for our own good. He's protecting us for our own good. Because if we understood, it would be so mind-blowing this morning... Folks, if we understood the greater plan of what all of us would be weeping and just overcome with, of what God is trying to work out, his greater plan. But folks, sometimes we don't always understand it, why they happen the way they are. No, no matter what, how hard we try to figure things out, there will always be mysteries in life. 
God doesn't explain himself to us always, nor does he have to. As we go through life, we can look back and see many blanks that we wish that God had given us the answer to. Some of you are like, that's my test every time I take one. There's all these, an- these blanks and I'm not sure what the multiple choice answer is and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm telling you, if you can't make it in school in 2023, I mean, they open books, open notes, bring your phone, open your laptop, your computer, your iPad, and just go online and you can Google the answer to every, I mean, if you can't make straight A's, I mean, seriously, you have not learned how to master school in 2020. I'm just blown away. I mean, we actually had to take handwritten notes in high school. Now teachers give you worksheets with every single thing on it spelled out and says you can use this guide as you take your test. I mean, hello. I mean, the rest of us actually had to study and, and actually had to try. But, you know, when hard times come, we also know that God is at work in our trials for our good and for his glory. Get that? When hard times come, we can know that God is at work in our trials for our good and ultimately for his glory. Drew Brees was a Super Bowl MVP for the New Orleans Saints. Retired in 2020, wrote a book entitled Coming Back Stronger, Unleashing the Hidden Power of Adversity. When he was seriously injured in a game with the San, when he was playing for the San Diego Chargers, he thought his career was over. He said, as a born-again believer, he chose to concentrate on the benefits. This is what he wrote in his introduction. God, I know that you bring, if you bring me to it, you will bring me through it. I know you have a plan, but quite honestly, I don't see it right now. But I know it's there. I know I have to believe I have to trust you, and I do trust you, but it's hard right now. Any of us find ourselves like that, in a place like that? God, I know that you have a plan. I know you're in control. I know you're sovereign. God, I'll be honest, I don't see it right now. I don't understand it right now. I can't wrap my mind around it right now. I I wish I understood. I wish I knew. I wish I had the answers. I wish I could fill in the blank. And what he's saying is count it all joy. Concentrate on the benefits. And then finally, connect to God's wisdom. The how. He says connect ultimately to God's wisdom. God has a plan He has a purpose, and he says, if you will trust me, if you'll follow me, if you'll listen, if you'll be my disciple. Verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. We learned last week, God gives wisdom when we go through tough times. When we're in some sort of affliction and seem to have lost our way, ask God for insight. Ask God for direction. While his answer is always personal, I want to also conclude today that 
with some wise ways that we can respond, folks, because God has a, a path. As we study his plan, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's using it to mold us, to, to change us, to, to make us more like him. And his answer is always personal. But remember this, folks, it's not simply a matter of hearing. Ultimately, it's a matter of doing. It's working out in our lives the, 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 what it means to, to follow Jesus. And it comes down to that doing in verse 22 of James chapter 1. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. See, it has to go beyond just a word on a page that we read or we hear or hear spoken or preached. It must turn into action. It must transform and change our lives. And all this talking must affect our walk. God works his good through our trials when we pray and ultimately when we stay. Chuck Swindoll writes this. He says, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. Isn't that the truth? Life is 10% what happens and 90% how I react to it. Folks, when things or trials are coming our way, as James says, he says, count it joy knowing that God is working his plan, his purpose. His, he's using all of this for our good. So here's a few uh, ways to react and respond to hardship. Write them down. And soak up the scriptures. Camp out in the, sound, in the Psalms. Spend time studying God's word. And folks, it must be a daily occurrence. Even when you don't feel it, one advantage to soaking up the scriptures is the truth of God's word settles our soul. It settles down deep into our beings. So when we're going through struggles, we have something to draw from. We have something to go back to. And, and I'll be honest, as I was driving over to the school on Tuesday, I, my mind went back to my childhood and my mom quoting Psalm 56.3, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in you. What time I'm afraid, I will... It was like transporting me back to seven years old. But I remembered studying a psalm that speaks to the heart of the matter that when I'm afraid, and folks, I was. For a while, we didn't know what we were facing and what, what was happening. Folks, the reality is, is it could have been much worse God was gracious, he was kind, and I'm thankful that it didn't get any worse, but thanks. But even in those moments, we can trust in him. In moments when we feel like we're all alone in, 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 a, in a doctor's office. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We're reminded when we stay in the word of God that God is right there in the midst of our trial. Soak up the scriptures and then secondly declare your doubts. It's not wrong to ask questions or even to complain. The book of Job, the book of Psalms express serious questions to God. In fact, in Psalm chapter 10, Psalm 10, 1, it says, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble. The psalmist David was had many mountaintop experiences and many very deep valley experiences. But he, 
If you keep reading, keep it, it goes, it's so awesome because you get here and you're like, man, I can't imagine it getting any lower. And then the next thing you know, you're back up on the top of the mountain again. That's how God works. He will take us through deep valleys, through the, the waters the struggles through the fire. But folks, he always brings us back up and firmly plants us on the rock of Christ Jesus. And we, we know that we're established in that relationship with Jesus. So when he says, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? He was struggling a feeling like, has God left me? Has he abandoned me? But folks, as you keep reading, you see where God rescued and he was carrying him Every single step, it's like the footprints of the sand, and I know that's just man's talk, but moments where God's carrying us. When we only see one set of footprints in the sand is when God is literally physically carrying us through the trial that we're facing. It's better, much better to ask God where he's been than it is to put some fake religious smile on and go through life acting like everything's perfect when inside we know it's not. Sometimes we have our Sunday morning, you're fighting all the way to church. <laughs> Anybody else want to admit to that? I mean, all the way. I mean, if there's ever a day that it just, it's on in the house, like Donkey Kong, it's, it's on Sunday morning, you know. And when you're trying to get out the door, and, uh, there's a couple of these families that do these videos online. And, and one of them, they're, they're getting uh, a doodad or something like that. And they're getting ready for Sunday church. And like the kids are screaming and running through the house. And no one gets dressed. And there's food smeared everywhere. And the dog's been let out in the front yard nobody can find him and it's like everything that could possibly go wrong happens on Sunday morning at 9 45 as we're trying to get out the door to go to church and that's the way it happens but folks the reality is is we need to be there because it's more in those moments that God speaks and challenges but sometimes we can't walk in with that fake smile like everything's perfect sometimes we need to be in tune enough to look at someone and see the, the dark circles under their eyes. Why? Because they hadn't been sleeping in a really long time. And say, everything okay? Anything I can pray with you about? Anything I can encourage you with? And folks, what happens is it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's time we start discovering we need one another. We need the, the, the body of Christ. We need the family of God. And we need to encourage one another and know when it's okay to not be okay. And then next, worship God while he works out his will in your life. Worship God while he's working out his plan or his will in our lives. John Piper wrote an amazing article entitled, Don't Waste Your Cancer. He sat down the night before his cancer surgery and reviewed 10 ways to make sure that we don't waste any pain that we have. And I would encourage you to go to his website, desiringgod.org. Read those. I'm not going to give you, I put some in my notes, <laughs> 12 points today, just to see if Matt, whenever he was studying and, and putting my slides together, <laughs> see if he was paying attention. I was like, 12 points. Oh, my word. But he wrote down 10 things of how not to waste that trial in your life. And go read it. But he's just one of them was, don't waste your hardship. You'll, you will waste your hardship if you do not believe it was designed for you by God. You'll waste it 
If you don't believe it was designed by God. And then number two, you will waste your hardship if you believe it is a curse and not a gift. So that's just two of the ten. We'll let you go there on your own. But it's just a couple thoughts that God gave to him. In other words, worship God while he works out his will in our life. And then lastly, don't unplug or don't unplug or you will unravel. There are people that are not here today because they're angry at God for something that happened in their life. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was over the last three years. Maybe it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they're dealing with hurt in their life, and they're blaming God. Can I appeal to you not to unplug while God is trying to work out his plan in our lives. In fact, Hebrews 10.25 tells us not to forsake the assembly of ourselves. In other words, don't, don't hide from God. Someone once said, make Sunday attendance a habit. So when you can't praise, you'll continue the habit anyway. In other words, when you don't feel like it, God is still working out his way. Then next, force yourself to think about God's faithfulness. The prophet Jeremiah, he, he focused, his writings are filled with why questions. He lists grievances with God, but when he's finished, he forces himself to think about what is true. Listen to what he wrote in Lamentations chapter 3, beginning verse 19. He says, remember my affliction, my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. He says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I love this. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I'm telling you, there are moments we have to remind ourselves, God, you are so good. You have been so faithful. You have proven yourself day in and day out. God has a solution to match my suffering, but I have to deliberately choose to claim his promises. Pull out the words or uh, for this generation, look it up uh, uh, and Google it. The words to the hymn, great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my father. Folks, all of the times he has been faithful and true, and we were just singing about it just a few moments ago, sing the words of these songs that remind us of God and his faithfulness. Say, Pastor, what's the application? Let's learn to accept what cannot be changed and allow God to change us. Learn to accept what cannot be changed and allow God to change us. Even though our circumstances may not change, God uses them to change us. He uses us them to transform us. Some of us are not growing because we're stuck in griping mode. You're like, Pastor David, you've been hanging out in my carpool. Uh, the kids in my car every morning are complaining and griping about everything and, and so I made it a habit on days that I pick up at school I'm like what was your favorite part of the day and my son always says 
five minutes ago when we left the building for the last time of the day. You know, that was my favorite, or, or, or lunchtime, you know, whatever it was. But what was your favorite part? To be thankful for all of the things that God is doing in our lives. We can accept what can't be changed and allow God to change us. Other of us are, are trying to control what only God can control. I wonder this morning, is it time to let go? Is it a time to accept the adversity? And it, maybe to say it another way, it's time to focus on not on what's left, or it's time to focus on what's left, not what's lost. What is it that's left that God is using to perfect me? To make me more steadfast, to mature me spiritually, and point me in a greater way to impact the kingdom of God. If you want to be better, let go of bitterness. Whoever it is that hurts you, whoever it is that has wounded you, release them. Let go of that. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You see what happens is, if we allow bitterness to creep into our life, it ultimately will destroy us. It'll destroy every single person around us. If you're not careful, mom, if you're not careful, dad, you can let some bitter thing from your past to creep in and it will destroy you. But you know what? In turn, it'll destroy your marriage because it's going to destroy the people that you love that's closest to you. Hurt people hurt people. Oftentimes, the people that are the most angry are the ones that have gone through some great trials and they've not given it over to the Lord and said, God, I'm just going to let you take control of this because I have made a huge mess of my life. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it at the foot of the cross. I'm going to lay it at the altar. And God, I'm going to let you get the glory. I'm going to let you be glorified. I'm going to let you get the victory. Let go of bitterness. Don't let a root of bitterness spring up. Because it causes trouble, and by it, many become defiled. And then put your trust in Jesus, who suffered in your place, in order to solve your sin problem. You won't necessarily be delivered from all the evil and suffering right now. But you will be when you leave this world. Aren't you thankful for that? He doesn't promise that we won't have a, a trial. He never promised that the cross wouldn't be heavy and the hill wouldn't be hard to climb. He promises he will never leave us or forsake us. He's not going to abandon you. He said, Pastor David, I've got final exams in the next Six, eight days. God knows that. You study like you've never studied in your life and leave the rest of it to God. Say, Pastor, I'm, I, I'm, 
facing some financial struggles that it's like a brick wall that I can't penetrate. You know what? Take it to the Lord in prayer. He knows. And he has a huge sledgehammer to break down the walls that seem like they're impossible to break. Just don't lower them, those bricks with a pulley on the side of the building. Give it to God. So, Pastor, there's a health concern I'm facing. Give it to God and allow him to work in your life in such a way that you experience joy in the middle of great times of trial and doubting. If you don't receive Christ in your life, the pain and suffering you're experiencing now will be nothing in comparison to all of eternity in a place called hell. That's what awaits those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Today is the day to choose and say yes to Jesus. David Livingston, a pioneer missionary to Africa, returned to Great Britain and was asked, well, what do you want to do now? I love his response. He says, I'm ready to go anywhere provided it be forward. Maybe we can't fill in all the blanks this morning, but we can move forward by faith. No matter how many bricks we've hit, And sometimes God calms the storms around us, and other times he calms us within. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts?